0: Hey there, future fans, and welcome to episode 82 of Future Flicks with Billiam. We have quite a show for you this week. We have some fruity awards. We have Fast and the Furious during the rain, and our hours get creased. It's the week of March 9th, 2018, and you're listening to episode 82 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show just in case you're new you may be wondering what this show is about well first off thank you for giving it a try and welcome to future flicks if you are a returning listener then thank you very much for coming back i do appreciate it it still blows my mind i know i say this a lot but it's because i mean it it still blows my mind that people want to hear me talk Hell, it even blows my mind that my boss likes what I do, and he doesn't go, hey, you know, I have some notes. Um, turn down the suck a bit and try and be good. But no, seriously, uh, if you are new to the show, let me tell you what it is I do here on Future Flicks with Billiam. Which, you know, implies I am Billiam. I go over every movie that's coming out during the week. I tell you what it's about. I say who's in it, and I give my thoughts on it, and then I give a score. This score is called the Billiam's Interest Level Score, or the Bill Score. I can go anywhere from a zero for the really bad movies to an 11 for those you just have to see. I also throw in some news and some trailers, and wrap it all up with a question of the week. I also give you a pick of the week, which is the movie I believe everyone should see if they are going to go see a movie that week. Please always keep in mind that my scores and my opinions are based only on the trailer. I am not some big Hollywood insider. I don't get to see early screenings of these movies. I see it just when you do, and I know as much as you do, though I do do some research into it. But everything I know can be found by anyone. I am just the one who puts it together for you, and I make it hopefully a little entertaining. And I offer my one-of-a-kind Billium charm. You can't see it, but I'm smiling right now. Well, let me answer some quick questions first, and then we will get into the news. First off, how do you listen to the show? That is a great question. You're listening to me somehow, so whatever you're doing, that's good. Good job with that. How else can you listen to me? You can listen to me on the Somewhat Nerdy website. You can listen to me on SoundCloud. You can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play as well, as well as any podcast listening app. And how do you reach me, just in case you want to answer the question of the week or just say hi, you can reach me by emailing me, billiamreviews at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can leave a comment on the Somewhat Nerdy Facebook page or website or SoundCloud And if you're one of the few listeners who knows me personally, you can just message me and go, hey, here's my answer. What's up? Well, without further ado, let's step into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. Anna Kendrick is in a Disney Christmas movie called Noel. It co-stars Bill Hader, and this isn't going to hit theaters. This is going to debut on Disney's new streaming service, which they are staying tight-lipped about. Originally, this film had a November 8th, 2019 release, but now it's being put on their streaming service. What do we know about the streaming service? Almost nothing. We do know, though, that they will have four to five original movies a year and that the films will be mid-ranged, using air quotes here, when it comes to their budgets. So to get an idea for what mid-range is, is just take the budget for like an Avengers or Black Panther, one of those superhero movies, and just cut it in half. Still a lot of money. And really good movies can be made with that money. But still not a straight-to-VOD, straight-to-DVD quality film it will still have more money than that of course we all know that you can make a great film without a lot of money it's been done before but you know what it sure helps this news story came to us from variety and some of you may have heard this story that's coming from hollywood reporter marvel has moved the release date of infinity war up to april 27th that from may 4th the article goes on to say that it will have a day and date release around the globe meaning it will release in every country it's going to be playing in on the same date. We won't see any of this, oh, on this month it'll release in America, but then UK the next week, and then everywhere else weeks after that. They're trying to stop spoilers. So yes, this is to reduce spoilers, but also Kevin Feig, the god on high at Marvel, says this new film will have big ramifications for the MCU, and I use quotes after big. These ramifications are so big that the title of 2019's Avengers 4 has not been revealed due to spoilers. So we can't even know the title of the next Avengers movie because of these spoilers, and God, I cannot wait. Well, I still think this is gonna be a huge mess, I think it's gonna be a beautiful mess. There's gonna be so much going on in this film that I believe that this movie is going to be the closest Marvel will get to a DC film. Though keep in mind, folks, that from at least my oh-so-humble opinion, DC movies are fun yet flawed, and I think that's right where this one's gonna be. In more comic movie news, this story from The rap about DC. If you've heard a rumor that Matt Reeves was stepping down from the Batman, That is not true. Some YouTuber had claimed that he had 100% reliable source that Reeves was walking away. But like everything on YouTube, it should be taken with a grain of salt until verified. Don't get me wrong. I love YouTube. There are YouTubers I follow and follow a lot of YouTubers. But you still have to be careful. Even with the major news networks, what you believe. You should always verify everything, especially when it comes from a source that's not going to be as watched or as scrutinized as a big network. The original script written by Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns for the Batman was scrapped entirely This original script had Deathstroke, played by Joe Manganiello, as the main villain, but now the former True Blood actor doesn't know if he's still in the film. Though we know Justice League hinted that he'll be in the next League movie, and according to IMDB, he's getting his own film. As for his involvement in The Batman, he no longer knows. Personally, I hope we get a different villain than we've seen in the past and it doesn't matter if it's the if it's a tim burton joel schumacher or christopher nolan films if if the person has been in one of those films i don't want to see them anymore and nothing against them like the joker and bane and Raja ghoul and mr freeze the riddler penguin they're they're all fantastic villains but you have to realize just how many bad guys batman has i think batman has the biggest the biggest biggest group of villains that anyone has and he has some fantastic ones i would love to see though even though i just said that even though i just said all of that i would love to see a really good riddler movie even though it was silly even though a lot of people had problems with joel schumacher i I did like batman forever it was silly and i liked it but i want to see a serious riddler movie they even have court of owls as a relatively newer villain to pick from clayface a good killer croc hush jason todd they don't even need to do a movie explaining todd first just a couple flashbacks and that's it or guess what stick with deathstroke enough about that on to a quick story from screen daily they're reporting that black panther has crossed the 850 million dollar worldwide mark well duh it was a great movie it was hyped so big And it's a relatively fresh story. Not a lot of people knew who Black Panther was until he was mentioned in Civil War. So it's not like any of these other Marvel characters where we know what to expect. All right, folks, an article from IndieWire used a phrase that I wasn't sure I liked, and I actually kind of want to pass it off to you. So here we go. Uh, here's my question for you. So they were talking about how Black Panther looked futuristic, but instead they called it Afro-futuristic. So are we really still doing this? Is this really a thing? Are, are we separating this movie because it's a primarily black cast and a film that takes place in Africa? So what are we giving its own name and putting Afro in front of or something like that? And what aren't we? I. I this is an honest question. And I've talked to a few people about this. I've been getting different answers. Some people support it going, well, yes, this is a separate movie in the fact that it is a almost a completely black cast, takes place in Africa, just like I said. Other people say, no, it separates what should be bringing us together. And I want to know your thoughts on this. We have two more stories, folks. David Ogden Stiers has passed away, this reported by Deadline. He was best known for his role as Major Winchester in the show M.A.S.H. He was 75. And finally in the news, a story just for Critter, Ghostbusters. The original is coming back to theaters with an orchestral accompaniment. That's right, Ghostbusters will be touring the states complete with live music. I can't f-ing wait. This story came from Variety. Alright, future fans, before we jump into the trailer trove, we have something to talk about. We have the Razzies. They happened. And we have the top nine categories. Let's go over them. Worst screenplay, The Emoji Movie. Worst director, Tony Leonidas from The Emoji Movie. Worst remake, ripoff, or sequel, Fifty Shades Darker. Worst screen combo, Any Two Obnoxious Emojis from The Emoji Movie. Worst Supporting Actress, Kim Basinger from Fifty Shades Darker. Worst Supporting Actor, Mel Gibson from Daddy's Home 2. Worst Actor, Tom Cruise from The Mummy, though I think Jamie Dornan should have won for Fifty Shades Darker. Worst Actress, Tyler Perry from Boo 2, A Medea Halloween. And Worst Picture, The Emoji Movie. So basically, The Emoji Movie is awful. We all knew it was going to be, and it blows my mind that Saudi Arabia chose to... End their 35-year ban on motion pictures, and that was the first one played. Are you f- kidding me? Anyway, those were the winners, or losers, shall we say. What do you think? And here's a question for you about the two men who won, Mel Gibson and Tom Cruise. Do you think it's fair that they win, or lose per se, since they actually just play themselves? I'm sure there are times in both of their careers where they have done some really good work. I mean, Tom Cruise and Magnolia was f***ing fantastic. Magnolia was just a great movie, but him in Magnolia was, was amazing. But do you think it's fair that actors who are known to play various levels of themselves get these? Because I don't think Tom Cruise is a great actor. I really don't. I think he's smart when he's picking his films. Now, Kim Basinger, who is a good actress, she deserves it. But actually, looking over a list of the nominations, I'm wondering how many of the actors themselves actually do deserve it. Because I think a lot of people... Ha- didn't like the mummy that doesn't mean uh tom cruise and sophia botella were bad in it because sophia botella got nominated for worst supporting actress russell crowe best supporting actor for the mummy i don't think either of them were bad i just think it was a movie that no one liked except maybe me i do think tyler perry is worthy of the worst actress though because jennifer lawrence was nominated for mother you know all you all know i hate jennifer lawrence as an actress but she just plays the same person in every movie she does. So just like how I'm willing to give Tom Cruise a pass for his acting, I will give her a pass for this and not give her the the Razzie. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and on top of the Razzies, we had another awards show happen. We had the Oscars. The Oscars were on Sunday, and we have the top eight categories. So here we go, starting with Best Adapted Screenplay, Call Me By Your Name. James Ivory was the one who penned that. Of course, Call Me By Your Name is based on a book by Andre Aciman. Best Original Screenplay went to Jordan Peele for Get Out. This was a very well-deserved Oscar. And um, I know I'm going to get flack from Brian Q for this, but it's one of the few times we've seen horror in the Oscars. And I think that's because it did border. It was borderline horror. It was more of a thriller, but Hollywood as a whole saw it as a horror movie. We have Best Director, Guillermo del Toro, The Shape of Water. And if you didn't hear, Emma Stone had a little kerfuffle with that, where she made this, uh, she kind of made a comment about these men. And Greta Gerwig did great work, kind of hinting at, oh, women lack representation, except for the fact that a woman was nominated for this award, which was why she got a lot of backlash. But then during the, it was either the Golden Globes or, or maybe Emmys or something else, something else happened. No women were nominated for a certain award, so Natalie Portman made a comment going, "These six or seven men did a you know great job." Kind of jabbing, going, "Oh yeah, where are the women?" And that one I understand. I understand Natalie Portman's just because we had a lot of great female-directed, female-helmed movies this year. I did not agree with Emma Stone's. I think she was. I think she had the best intentions. I don't think she's a douchebag. At least I really hope she's not a piece of. Shit. I really hope so. But in that particular category, there were two people of color and a woman. So if you want diversity, there you go. So the idea of making sure everyone gets the chance to be nominated equally, that I support. I really support that. But just like I said during the Oscar So White movement, and what I said about a story a couple weeks ago, is that people should only get nominated and only win if they deserve it. So even though I haven't seen these two movies, I haven't seen The Shape of Water and Lady Bird. The Shape of Water was raved about way more than Lady Bird. It was raved about across the board from everyone from big budget movie fans to the douchiest of indie film lovers. Everyone loved it. You know what? I'm just going to stop right here. I actually went on a five minute long rant about this and I just deleted it because i was like, no, this is I'll talk about this later. One day I will have an episode dedicated to my feelings on awards shows and why who won and who didn't and who was snubbed has nothing to do with race or gender and everything to do with money. I, I will talk about that one day. But for now, will you take a journey with me? Will you come with me into the trailer trove? Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. All right, future fans, we have a teaser trailer for Wreck-It Ralph 2. Its official title is Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2. I have to say, this looks good. It really does. This looks like what the Emoji Movie could have been if it wasn't made by Talentless Hacks. The trailer for this had the same type of jokes the Emoji Movie trailer had, but these were funny. I really liked these. Okay, maybe really liked is a very strong description, but I at least laughed during the trailer. I really did. Where the Emoji Movie didn't even make me smile. We have a trailer for a TV show because... Yeah, I've just accepted the fact that I talk about TV show trailers on this show. It looks really good, but there's a catch. It's on the Paramount Network. Now, if you're wondering what the hell is that, you're not alone. I didn't know that Paramount Network was a thing. But according to my Google foo, TNN, formerly the Nashville Network, TNN turned into the Paramount Network. So there we go. That's what happened to TNN. So, what is this show, you may be asking? Well, this show is called Yellowstone. This show stars Kevin Costner, Wes Bentley, Kelly Riley, and Kelsey Aspill. While I am stoked that there are a lot of new shows coming out and all these different networks are trying their hand at making good TV, I really hope that they decide to put their shows on Netflix or Hulu eventually, or Amazon Prime eventually, maybe after the season's over, so maybe. All these other services are a season behind or it premieres on their network. Then it goes to Hulu or Amazon or Netflix just because they won't be getting as big of an audience as they could get if they limit it to just their network. The Disney network is going to work for them because it's f-ing Disney. So if this network doesn't make it widely available, then I guess people have to turn to piracy, which here at Future Flicks with Billium, we don't support nor suggest. Please don't sue me. And we have a trailer for a new Netflix show coming out on April 13th. Lost in Space is now a show again. If you remember, this was an old TV show from the 60s that was turned into a movie in 1998 starring William Hurt, Mimi Rogers, Heather Graham, Gary Oldman, and Matt LeBlanc. I liked it. I did. But it bombed so bad that any hopes of a sequel were scrapped. Now Netflix has it as a show starring Toby Stevens, Molly Parker, Parker Posey, with Parker Posey playing the role of Dr. Smith, historically a male character, but I don't give a shit. just make her evil. That's all I want. I want a goofy f***ing robot saying Danger Will Robinson, and I want an evil Dr. Smith. Or at least do it like they did in the 1998 Lost in Space movie, where he seems like he's a good guy, and then guess what? F- you. And so far, I haven't heard anyone making a big deal about Dr. Smith suddenly being female, and I hope that someday we can just change around characters and it doesn't mean anything, because it shouldn't. At least not always. I think Superman should always be a man. Batman should always be a man. Characters like this. But changing the gender of Dr. Smith, that's fine. Making... Kingpin in the Daredevil movie, Black, that was fine, because guess what, Michael Clark Duncan was the best for the role. I think changing around things is fine, we just have to get used to it, and it has to be equal. And finally in the trove, before we get into the movies, we have a trailer, or a teaser trailer, for Mary Poppins Returns, and I didn't think I would be excited, I honestly didn't, but now I'm getting excited. I really, really like Emily Blunt, and look just look at the IMDB page. This has a lot of people in it, and even some of them just play small characters, but this has Meryl Streep, Colin Firth, Dick Van Dyke, Emily Mortimer, Angela Lansbury, Ben Wishaw, Julie Walters, Lynn Manuel Miranda, and uh okay, I think well I think that's mainly it for the for the big cast, but That's impressive, and Emily Blunt is great. I I truly think she is. She has really good range as an actress. This is directed by Rob Marshall, who did Into the Woods, Pirates of the Caribbean, On Stranger Tides, and Memoirs of a Geisha. He's set to also do The Little Mermaid movie, or live-action movie, and it's written by David McGee, who was a writer for Finding Neverland, The Life of Pi, and is going to be writing The Chronicles of Narnia, The Silver Chair. If you're thinking what I initially thought, that it's been so long since the last one that the kids are all grown up not to worry because honestly i haven't read the series and i know i should it's on my list but i'm looking at my to be read list right now and what i'm hoping to read within at least the next two months uh it's well more than i probably can But The Lion, the Rich, and the Wardrobe is on there, and then I'll get in the rest. But this one doesn't follow those four kids. This one is a different story entirely, though taking place in Narnia. So anyway, what I guess I was trying to say by talking about the pedigree for Rob Marshall and David McGee is that this looks like it's in good hands. Um, I originally wasn't behind a sequel when I heard about it. But after seeing the cast and then seeing this, I think it's going to be good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the Trailer Trove. Let's jump into a first break, our first break of the show. So let's hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Stay tuned.
1: Imagine your
0: All right, everyone, welcome back. Welcome back. It is time for the movies. It is uh, kind of a big movie week, though I have two corrections to make because I don't know what the f*** is going on anymore. I am really confused. So you all know, uh, those of you who've listened to me for a while know this, uh, anyone who hasn't listened before, l- allow me to tell you that finding out what movies are coming out is easy for the big ones. For the big movies, you always know. But for smaller movies, you it's it's not always a set release date. Uh, or, or there is, but finding it is difficult. So I used to only rely on IMDb. Then I found out how terribly wrong I was being because IMDb is not always right now here's the thing imdb the app for your phone is more accurate than the website for some weird reason i do not know why maybe one day i will ask them and go hey why is this but i have had two other sources added to my list and i could have sworn that weeks before when i mentioned these other two movies that they actually were coming out but now looking at all my sources it's saying that today's the actual date so here are two i messed up on since I talked about them before, and they're not huge releases, I'm not going to give a huge talk or a score. I'm just going to give you the basics. Recently, I talked about both of these, actually. But recently, I talked about Hannah. If you remember, this is one of the French movies I talked about that wasn't batch sh- insane. This one, it, it seemed like it could be good, but it also seemed like a bunch of artsy bullshit. That movie is called Hannah. And reading straight from IMDb an intimate portrait of a woman drifting between reality and denial when she is left alone to grapple with the consequences of her husband's imprisonment. Now there's definite promise with this one, there really is, but when I had watched the trailer, it just seemed like they were trying way, way too hard and I could not ignore that. I do not recommend this movie unless you want to be super fancy pants and go, look, I have watched a movie from France. Look at how impressive I am. Yay me, huzzah, what what? But other than that, skip this. And um, like I said, I'm not going to give a score for this one. The next movie that's being released this week, even though I thought it was being released a previous week, was The Leisure Seeker. If you remember this one, I was really excited for this because it looked looked really good. It's Helen Mirren and Donald Sutherland. And they play this old couple who goes on a road trip because Donald Sutherland's character, who is John, John is losing his memory. He's starting to get Alzheimer's. So before he completely goes, Helen, no, I'm sorry, it's played by Helen Mirren. Ella, his wife, Ella decides to take him on a road trip to somewhere he's always wanted to go. And that was Ernest Hemingway's house. And you know, every once in a while, you... Come across a movie that wasn't pushed really hard you may have never seen a trailer for it but it has either famous people in it or someone you really like and you watch a trailer and you and you go you know what that does look really good and you end up watching the movie and you're like wow i am glad i did that so now you have a movie you have power you have something to recommend to someone that they will probably never have seen i believe that's what this movie is and I remember that when I watched the trailer for the first time, it really got to me like it made me teary eyed because there's a scene where they're sitting next to each other. And Donald Sutherland is looking at Helen Mirren and she says, prom- and he says, promise me something, promise that you will never leave me. And because in that time, he knew he knew he was losing his mind. He knew he was no longer being going to be himself. And he couldn't imagine and didn't want to live in a world where she wasn't with him. And that that just broke my heart. Because if I was in that same situation, I would be torn. I'd be torn on not wanting the love of my life to leave. But also knowing that she would be stuck with me. Someone who was no longer me. But other than that completely sad note, this looks like a a light-hearted movie. An adventure comedy. (laughs) Despite that really depressing part right there. But other than that, this this looks like a fun movie. It's getting sh** score from critics, but you know what we say about them. F*** them. I just think this is going to be an enjoyable movie. But let's start to talk about the movies I've never talked about with the first official movie of the week called Submission. A college writing professor gets an interesting submission from a student. It's a small scene about a student having sex with her writing teacher. As the teacher decides what to do, he also must balance his home life and the fact that he has no idea what to write for his next novel. The student comes on to him, and then later slaps him with a sexual harassment charge, and he must try and catch the shattering pieces of his life. This stars Stanley Tucci from The Devil Wears Prada, Addison Timlin from Odd Thomas, Kira Sedgwick from The Closer, and Janine Garofalo from Mystery Men. So, on, on the surface, we have a very basic movie, a movie that's been done a million times, but the trailer hints that there's more. Of course, the trailer could be lying to us, but the trailer didn't really say that they actually did anything. It seemed like he had been fighting the temptation really well. Uh, From the look of the trailer, the worst thing he had done was consider plagiarizing his students' work, which yes, pretty shitty, but not, you know, sexual harassment. So this could have a poison ivy or single white female vibe to it, where this woman basically can't get what she wants, so she goes crazy. Or he does have sex with her, he does give in, and then she goes crazy. Either way, this this female character is going to be manipulative. There are other female characters in this movie who are trying one trying to warn him, and the other is his wife, who thus gets affected by anything that happens. And now we have to wonder what's going to happen to this teacher. Even though I don't think this is going to be as stereotypical as it sounds, that doesn't necessarily mean I think it's going to be any good. This has Stanley Tucci, who's fantastic. I'm not familiar with Addison Timlin that much. I've seen Odd Thomas once. Keir Cedric, Janine Garofalo, they're good. But as always... It takes more than just a good actor or good actors to make a good movie. If anything, this is a movie that you should watch later, just so you don't spend any money on it. But I don't think this is worth a watch. I think this is skippable, and I think you should watch almost anything else this week. Submission gets a 4.5 out of 11. Next up in this week's off-rate of movies, we have a documentary called Leaning Into the Wind. Andy Goldsworthy. This documentary follows artist Andy Goldsworthy on his exploration of the world and himself through ephemeral and permanent workings on landscape, cities, and with his own body. And ladies and gentlemen, we have an art documentary. And I love art documentaries because it's very easy to tell if you are going to watch this or not. I love art, but I'm not going to watch a documentary about every artist. I've watched documentaries about Damien Hirst, Gerhard Richter, Jackson Pollock, Jeff Koons, Ai Weiwei, but Andy Goldsworthy, I'm really not sure about. I I actually didn't know who this guy was. From the looks of the trailer, it looks like he does outside installation art, uh, the kind of stuff that you can't just pick up and move, stuff that's built into the world. Thus, installation art is art that's built into a museum. A really interesting artist who does this is um, Maurizio Catalan, and I'm probably butchering his name, who's done pieces like, and I actually had to Google this, I, I forgot the name of it, but I remembered it because it was the Pope having have been being hit by a meteorite, and it's La Nona Ora. and he also did Il Ditto, which is a gigantic metal finger, but those are installation pieces, and I think he is really good at that, because these are big things that can't just be up and moved, like a painting can, and that's what Andy Goldsworthy does. Like he made this huge thing out in the woods where you just walk inside and you look up and he has all these sticks making this wonderful whirlpool pattern. And it looked it looked amazing and probably took a long time. And even though I am in awe of the work he can do and has done, that doesn't mean I'm going to watch a documentary about it. And then then I pass a question off to you. Do you care enough about art to watch a documentary about it do you and if you do do you care enough about Andy Goldsworthy or does he interest you enough if he does I'm glad I can help I'm glad I could let you know that there is a documentary coming out about him but for everyone else this is going to be a skippable movie maybe I'll watch it one day at home when I'm sick and in bed and I'm tired of video games and reading maybe leaning into the wind Andy Goldsworthy gets a five out of eleven Next up on this week's show, we have a movie called Thoroughbreds. Two well-to-do teenage girls rekindle their friendship after growing apart. And now that they're back together, they decide to solve both of their problems, no matter who they have to kill. This stars Anya Taylor-Joy from Split, Olivia Cooke from Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, Anton Yelchin, the late Anton Yelchin, of course, from Star Trek, and Paul Sparks from Boardwalk Empire. So what we have in our hands here is an indie movie that looked at The Heathers. That movie from 1988 starring Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. Yeah, they looked at that and goes, okay, yeah, we can do that. We can do something like that. But let's, you know what, let's make it weirder. And they did. And it doesn't look like complete garbage. I I like the look of this film. This looks over the top. It looks dark. It does look funny. None of the characters automatically pissed me off as much as... The main character from Lady Bird did, so this movie has that going for it. Uh, this looks like just a standard indie movie that is trying to emulate movies that came before it. But once again, uh, and I, you know I say this multiple times in an episode, this is a movie that doesn't look great. It looks okay. It looks like if you watched it, you may enjoy it, but not the kind of movie that you would jump to go see like, oh, f***. Yeah, I am going to go see Thoroughbreds. This looks like it's going to be the next big thing. I can't wait. No, this is the type of movie that you stumble upon years later and you see it on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. Or maybe you see a a DVD or Blu-ray copy in a garage sale somewhere and you go, oh, huh? okay, that sounds interesting. I will watch this. And you go home and you watch it and you're like, oh, okay, that was acceptable. I think Thoroughbreds is going to be good, not great. This has good actors in it. This has reliable actors in it. But it just lacks that special something that makes me really, really recommend a movie. If you want to see a dark indie comedy, go see this. If not, skip it until later. Thoroughbreds gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, we have a movie called Hurricane Heist. Thieves attempt a massive heist against the U.S. Treasury as a Category 5 hurricane approaches one of its mint facilities. This stars Toby Kebbell from Planet of the Apes, Maggie Grace from Taken, Ryan Quanted from True Blood, and Ralph Innocent from The Witch. And folks, I have a very, very important question to ask you. Have you always wondered, has this kept you up at night? Have you always wondered what it would be if a Fast and the Furious movie and Twister had a baby. Well, now we know, we know now that that movie is called Hurricane Heist. This looks over the top and stupid. It looks like a great action flick just to kind of zone out to and watch, not the type of movie that requires much much thought at all. I mean, if you, if you compare this to a Fast and the Furious movie, I do believe a Fast and the Furious movie would look like something you can potentially write a dissertation on and Hurricane Heist would be something you would write a middle school essay on. That being said, movies like this, movies of this type, have a very wonderful place. There are certain circumstances that you watch movies like this, and those circumstances are you have a day off, or you're sick, you get some pizza, you drink a little, and you watch this film. You're slightly inebriated, you're pizza hungover, there's a half half-empty box in front of you that you're... Just staring at going, should I eat another piece? I'm really full. I don't know. Uh, You kind of reach for it. And you just kind of have it hanging limply out of a corner of your mouth and chewing as you watch this film. Do you see this in theaters? Christ almighty, no. No, no, no. You do not do that. You watch this at home. You watch this from the comfort of your own home. Like I said, with a slice of pizza dangling out of the corner of your mouth, empty beers on the table. You enjoy it. And then you forget about it. The Hurricane Heist gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have one movie before the break, one more movie, and that film is called The Strangers Pray at Night. A family is staying in a secluded mobile home park, because why the f*** not? And they're visited by three masked psychopaths. This stars Christina Hendricks from Mad Men and Martin Henderson from Everest. We've been waiting for this movie for a while, haven't we, folks? Uh, anyone who was a fan of the first one has been waiting for a sequel. We've wanted this. We've been asking for it. And here it comes. And finally, it's here. And I yeah, I don't really care. Truth be told, I will end up watching this movie. I, I will. But... I'm not as pumped as I hoped I would be, because it, I didn't watch the first movie when it came out. It took me a long time. It took Anne to recommend it to me for me to finally sit down and watch it. So then the sequel was first announced, and I was excited. I'm like, okay, cool. I liked the first movie. I am ready for another one. And the, the pain of the wait for another movie won't be as bad for me because I just watched it. But then the trailer came out, and I, I'm cold. It leaves me cold. But it could be a bad trailer. It could really be a bad trailer. But unfortunately, like I always say here on Future Flicks, I base my score and my thoughts only off the trailer. So the only thing these people gave me to work with was a shitty trailer. So even though I really like Christina Hendricks, I loved her on Firefly, I loved her on Mad Men, I I can't get excited. I just get the feeling that they they tried way too hard because they knew how long people were waiting and how stoked people would be. So I think they just tried way too hard and this movie's going to fail. I will see it, but I'm just not going to hold my breath. And I don't think any of you should hold your breath. If you were a huge fan of the first one, maybe go see it. Maybe. But I think this can really wait for home. The Strangers, Pray at Night, gets a 5.5 out of 11. And with that, my future fans, it is time for the final break before we go into the last two movies and the question of the week. So please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of somewhatnerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me... Snarf Chris. And
1: the dude with the headband.
0: We talk about
1: wrestling. And more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah!
0: Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms. Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomeoneNerdy.com.
1: There are several ways to raise money for a good cause, some do it by running marathons. <laughs> Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy language.
0: Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there and I'm like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. F- did I even come here for?
1: With our charity swear jar, every f- up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction.
0: The motherfucker's a mouth breather.
1: Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f- and garnished with a crown of... F- Shut
0: the fuck up. How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that f- I do.
1: F- a jolly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, facebook or online at wympodcast.com and remember swearing is caring so watch your mouth
0: welcome back everyone welcome back to movies to go and they are the most exciting the best looking movies of the week the first one and the movie that's not my pick is called gringo a man is working for a pharmaceutical company, and he goes on a business trip to Mexico and winds up in a lot of trouble. He has to get out of Mexico alive while being chased by the cartel. This stars David Oyelowo from Selma, Charlize Theron from Mad Max: Fury Road, and Joel Edgerton from The Great Gatsby, Thandi Newton from Westworld, and Amanda Seyfried from Mamma Mia. So this movie just popped onto my radar out of nowhere uh, a couple weeks ago. I think is when I first mentioned the trailer, and I'm down. I want to see this. I will see this, but probably at home, which, of course, I'll talk about later. But this movie gives me the feeling if The Hangover was more serious. And this isn't a serious movie at all. This is a comedy, but it really has an element of seriousness that that true comedies like The Hangover, 21 Jump Street, movies like that don't have. So this has a lot of funny parts in it, but we're still dealing with real-world problems and real-world consequences. We have a really good cast. I'm not that familiar with Thandie Newton, but David Oyelowo is really good. He was great in Selma. Charlize Theron, fantastic in almost everything she does. Joel Edgerton, who was in Bright? Come on, who didn't like Bright? Okay, a lot of people hated Bright, but uh, I I thought for what it was. It was stupid fun. And Amanda Seyfried, she's safe. She does safe movies. And, of course, she is in, I think it was Brian Q. Either Brian Q or Frat Matt. I'm sorry if I got this wrong, but I believe it was Brian Q's favorite movie of all time in time. Okay, but, but joking aside, I think this looks entertaining. It does. It has all the elements a movie needs to be good. Or at least entertaining. I'm sorry. Good is relative. Entertaining is... Okay, still relative, but a little easier to accomplish. But the sad thing with this movie is it's coming out the same week as a much bigger movie, a much bigger family-friendly movie, and it hasn't been advertised a lot. The has actually started a couple weeks ago when the latest trailer dropped, and not a lot of people are going to be aware of this movie. Of course, you, my future fans, were aware of this movie before. Anyone who really pays attention to movies, trailers, Hollywood knows this movie's coming out. But for the, the layman, they won't know. And that's really going to hurt it because they'll go to the theaters. Uh, they'll go, let's, let's just go to the theater and see what's playing, shall we? They get to the theater. They see, oh, well, this really big movie is playing. Uh, we still have Black Panther and... Um, Oh, Gringo. I've never heard of that. Let's not see it. Even though I think if a lot of people would give Gringo a chance, they would enjoy it. So I think this is going to bomb in theaters, and it's going to make up a lot of its budget in the post-cinema world. I think that's the best case for this movie. And for us, for you and me, ladies and gentlemen, maybe this could be it. Maybe you're not interested in the next movie. Because even though I know I want to see the next one, if I saw Gringo instead, I wouldn't be terribly disappointed. I would, I would be accepting of it. I would go, okay, I'm still seeing a fun movie. And some of you may not want to see the next movie for a plethora of different reasons. And if you don't want to see the next movie, then see this one. I don't do dual picks a lot, and I'm not really going to do one this week. But if I did do a dual pick, this would be the other film. You're going to see David Oyelowo running around Mexico, trying not to get killed, trying to survive while we, we have Charlize Theron and Joel Edgerton trying to help him, kind of, but also being villains in a, in a sort. So they're in this really gray area, this anti-hero, n- not quite an anti-hero, but just, they're just in this gray area of we put him in this situation. We know what's going on, but also we maybe might throw him a bone or two and help him. We don't know. There's an entertaining cast of characters, it's an interesting story, something familiar but not a blatant ripoff of anything else, and that's why Gringo gets an 8.5 out of 11. Alright, future fans, it is time for the pick of the week, and are you aware of what this week's pick is? Do you know what is coming? Well, my friends, the pick of the week is called A Wrinkle in Time. After the disappearance of her scientist father, three peculiar beings send Meg, her brother and her neighbor to space in order to find him. This stars Storm Reed from Slight, Levi Miller from Pan, Oprah Winfrey, the famous billionaire, Reese Witherspoon from Wild, Mindy Kaling from The Office, Chris Pine from Star Trek, Gugu mbatha from Concussion, Zach Galifianakis from The Hangover, and Michael Pena from Shooter. All right, everyone. Let me be completely honest with you. Let me let me tell some truth. Let me let me drop a few truth bombs here on Future Flicks. I did not like A Wrinkle in Time, uh, the book. I thought it was boring. Nothing happened. Nothing really happened. And I'm still going to read the other books in the series just because I want to know what the full story is. It did get me interested a bit just to know what the darkness actually is and how the beings can help her. And why is Meg so special? And then what the hell is with her brother? All those questions. But it still blows my mind when I mention A Wrinkle in Time and people go, oh, I loved that book as a child. I'm like, why? Why? What's to love? Nothing f***ing happened. It was a boring story and it wasn't well written. Maybe when it's all put together, maybe then that's when it shines and then I would be more willing to accept it. But, but as its own book, A Wrinkle in Time, I believe was crap. Now the movie looks more interesting. I think I would be much more willing to watch a two hour, two and a half hour, however long it is, uh, you know, we can look this up. Never mind, an hour and 49 minutes. Even better, I would be willing to sit in a theater for an hour and 49 minutes and watch what is hopefully the first in a trilogy or a series than I would to sit down and read that book again because the book takes, at least for me, a lot longer than an hour and 49 minutes to read just because it's so dry and boring. So that's why I'm so stoked for the movie. I want to, maybe the movie will show me something else That I didn't see while reading the book or hopefully maybe they changed it to make it interesting because this has Jennifer Lee as a writer for it who is a writer for Frozen Wreck-It Ralph Zootopia and Jeff Stockwell who wrote Bridge to Terabithia the screenplay not the book and it's directed by Ava DuVernay who was a producer on Selma. Oh, sorry, director and producer for Selma and a producer and writer for a show called Queen Sugar. So even though I'm not familiar with Queen Sugar, I'm I am familiar with Selma. I think this movie is in good hands. I really do. Oh, fun fact. I missed David Oyelowo is in this movie, too. So my two biggest movies, the two movies I'm most excited for this week have David Oyelowo in it. So there we go. We learned something. Look, you know what I'm going to say about this. This is a child-friendly movie, so if you have kids and you want to take your kids to a movie, you see this. This is the obvious choice. I think this is going to be the most entertaining movie of the week. And I hope, and I believe based on the trailers, that they will either make this boring book interesting, or they've added something to it to make it interesting. So either way, I think we're going to have a fun, interesting movie on our hands with some good actors in it, and some beautiful CG, because my god, it's Disney, and they can do anything. A Wrinkle in Time gets a 9.5 out of 11. All right, everyone, we have the question of the week to get to. So if you remember, last week, the question was, what is your favorite animal movie? And I had a little stipulation to it. It had to be a movie that heavily featured animals, and I gave some examples like Homeward Bound and movies like that. Let us turn to SoundCloud for our first answer that comes from Frat Matt. Good old Frat Matt said Aristocats and Airbud, both of course great movies. I, here's a fun fact about me. I at one time was a neighbor to Airbud. That's right. You can ask for my autograph. I understand. But you know what? I loved Airbud. It was a silly movie, but it was enjoyable and I loved it as a kid. The first two, the first one was the best, second one was okay, the rest, and then the whole Air Buddy series are, are complete crap, but the first Air Bud was great. Let's turn to Twitter. Twitter, we got quite a few answers. We got the first one from Brian Q. Good old Brian Q said, my favorite animal movie is a bug movie. It's an NPH movie. It's Starship Troopers, and I see what you did there. Good choice, classic choice, good job. He also goes on to say, I also like Oh Heavenly Dog and Watership Down. Watership Down, of course, that British animated movie about uh, rabbits, I believe. I haven't seen that movie in years. I'm going to have to rewatch it. Then he tweets again. He says, I amend my previous answer, The Great Muppet Caper. As a film, it's absolutely flush with a menagerie of different animals. And that is a great answer because anything Muppets is fantastic and... The movie, that movie is actually directed by Jim Henson. It was a movie that was released before he passed away and still featured the voices of Jim Henson, Frank Oz, though Frank Oz is still alive. But uh, unfortunately, Jim, Jim Henson no longer with us. Then we got a response from Critter. He says, meet the Feebles. Hashtag meet the Feebles challenge. No, but really an American tale. American tale. American tale, of course, a great movie, just like the sequel. Fievel Goes West, another great movie. There's something truly special about cartoon movies from that age. They were just so, so good. Even going back and watching them as an adult, they stand the test of time. Through Twitter, though, we have learned that... Brian Q has taken the Meet the Feebles challenge, though he've he's seen it years ago, but I, I, I will count that as taking the challenge. I think Critter will, too, because he knows, yes, it's, it's a terrible movie. The final answer from Twitter comes from the Uncorked Gamers. They say Jurassic Park. I would not have thought to count that movie. Dinosaurs, technically animals, good choice. And now it is time for my answer. My answer. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to name a couple. Uh, one of my favorite newer animal movies is Zootopia. I I love that movie. I watch it multiple times a year. I think it's one of Disney's best films. And I already mentioned Homeward Bound. I I wore that tape down. I, I had that on VHS, and I watched it so much the VHS was starting to fray, break, the copy wasn't good anymore. I watched it forever. And I give an honorable mention to Milo and Otis. I, I loved Milo and Otis growing up. It was it was a great film. And cute! How could you not love Milo and Otis? They are so f***ing cute. It's disgusting. So now it is time for the new question of the week. And this new question I had an idea for, I, I'm not sure if I'll get many answers to. And here we go. I mentioned that I didn't like A Wrinkle in Time and I think it'll do better as a movie. So ladies and gentlemen, actually we got a last minute answer, and answer to her favorite animal movie is Canine. That of course, the movie from the 80s, let's see exactly when. Ooh, 1989 starring Jim Belushi and a German shepherd. Not to be confused with Turner and Hooch, that one was a Tom Hanks, another great one. And I didn't know something. I didn't know that there were two sequels to Canine. There was K911 and then K9PI. I did not know that. And now we know. But anyway, the new question of the week. And the question came to me because I was thinking of a wrinkle in time, how much I didn't enjoy the book, and I am looking forward to the movie. So, what book, and I will extend this to comics or hell, even TV shows or any form of media that's not a movie that you didn't like that much but you think would do better as a film. So once again, what book or other non-movie media do you think would do better as a film? All right, and that is it for this episode of Future Flicks with Billiam. Let's get into the ending housekeeping, and we will see you along your way. And you can listen to all the other great shows in the somewhat nerdy podcast sphere. So you can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app. As well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's SomewhatNerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, just all of the stars for the show. And then share the podcast. Share it with your friends. That is how we grow here. And we need to get this movement on up. We need to grow and explode so we can become a huge network and bring you more content. Also, leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? Great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle shows also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, Great Friends of the Show, and check the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.